Welcome to the Limitless Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. We hope this message encourages you, inspires you, and helps build your faith. Enjoy the message. So today, I'm excited to share part two of this message, and it's called Guarding Your Heart in this Identity Theft series. Guarding Your Heart. So, yeah, so last week, I ended the message saying that the awesome thing about having identity in Christ is that it's constantly growing. Your identity in Christ is always growing. And here's the thing I want to, the way I want to start this message is I told y'all how the Bible refers to the devil as the thief. The thief who came to kill, steal, and destroy. I've heard that before. Um, but the thief who is the devil, just like your, your, revela- your, your identity in Christ is always growing, the thief is always stealing. So what we had to do is we had to, uh, how, how do we guard against the thief stealing our identity? It's guarding your heart. And I want to talk to you all about that today is guarding your heart. And Proverbs 4.23, it's a popular scripture. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's, we've heard that scripture so many times, but man, it's so, it, it could, if you really pay attention to it and let it sink in, it could really hit home that it determines, your heart determines the course of your life. Um, I want to read another scripture in Luke twelve thirty nine. This is Jesus's word speaking. He says, but understand this. If the owner of the home had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. So that's what I want to talk to you guys about today is, is always being on guard, always being ready, not allowing the thief to break in. Y'all ready? So the first thing I want to, the, the way to guard your heart, the first thing to guard is to guard your heart from pride. Guard your heart from pride. And I touched on this briefly Last week, how insecurity is the root of pride. But I want to I hit it more today is guard your heart from pride. The crazy thing about pride is pride was the very first sin in all of creation. It wasn't Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God and, and ate the fruit. It was Satan, which was Lucifer at the time, in heaven. He had pride in his heart. And it's the Bible says that God cast him down from heaven, and that's how he became Satan. But Lucifer was the first one to ever sin, and he, he sinned by having a prideful heart. Um, what he did is he wanted—he was a worship leader in heaven, and he wanted the glory for himself. The Bible talks about how he was leading God's uh, angels into worship, and he would steal the glory for himself. And that's the first thing I want to talk to you about what pride is. Pride is exalting yourself. So I'm going to break down the word pride for y'all. The first thing is pride is exalting yourself. Pride steals God's glory in your life. Now, I'm not sure if y'all have ever had any kind of success, maybe at your job, maybe at your school, maybe even at church. You, maybe you, you, you were in the worship team, you did good, or you, maybe you, did, you spoke a good message or, or anything like that or at work, you're being successful. If you, if you allow pride to come in your heart, it steals God's glory in your life. And see, that, that's what, I mean, anytime we allow, we exalt ourselves and we want glory for ourselves, 
we're doing exactly what Lucifer did when he was in heaven. So pride is exalting yourself. It steals God's glory. But I want to ask you this question. What are your intentions in whatever it is that you do? Whatever it is that you say, what are your intentions behind that? Is it to, for people to look at you? Because that's, that's pride right there. If it's, whatever you're doing, if you're trying to get someone's attention, if you're trying to impress somebody, if you're trying to get somebody's approval, that comes from insecurity and, and it's pride in your life. So that's something to look out for. Uh, it, it steals God's glory in your life. Um, Satan, Lucifer, when he was in heaven, he was insecure. He wasn't secure enough with his position in heaven, with being the worship leader. He wanted to be more. And, he, and the Bible says that he, that he said, I will ascend and, uh, to the Most High to be like God. And he wanted to be like God because he was insecure with who he was. Yeah. And a lot of times, as believers in Christ, we could be that exact same way. And we're insecure where God has placed us in the position he's given us or wherever he's called us. We could be insecure about a job. We could be insecure about where you are in life. Uh, we could be insecure in anything, relationships. Um, and, and, and we end up acting like Satan in this area of our lives. Yeah. And we try to be something we're not. We try to impress. And it comes from the root of insecurity. Here's another thing what uh, pride is. Pride is trusting in your own strength. So pride is exalting yourself and pride is trusting in your own strength. Do you take the advice of the leaders around you or the mentors around you or your parents? Do you, do you heed their advice? Do you take their advice or do you think you know more than them? Or do you, do you instead of trusting in God's way or, or God's direction for your life, you end up trusting in your own way or, or you go your own direction? in your life. Can anybody relate? Am I the only one that's ever done that? <laughs> and you end up trusting in your own strength. You think that you're strong enough to handle the situation. Or you know what? Oh, hey, I could go over there. I could do that. Uh, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to resist temptation. And instead of relying on God's strength, you rely on your own strength, which is pride, and you end up falling. And that's exactly uh, what happens. The Bible says that uh, pride goes before destruction. So pride leads to destruction in your life. Um, in Luke 22, I want y'all to, I'm going to give y'all, each of my points, I have three points. I'm going to give y'all three different people in the Bible and use their examples um, in these different areas. So the first example I want to use is Peter. Y'all know about Peter in the Bible. So Luke 22:31. this is Jesus talking to Peter. And... Peter was basically the leader of the disciples. If you don't know much about Peter, I, I brought a message a few weeks ago about Peter's story. Y'all can listen to it and went into detail about everything about Peter. But he was very strong. He was strong in his faith. He, he, he was basically the leader of the disciples. But the thing is about Peter is he trusted in his own strength a lot. He had pride in his life. And I want, to, I want you to check this out. Luke twenty two thirty one. This is Jesus talking to Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked, I want y'all to listen to that word, to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. 
But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. So here Peter is. He's like, I'm ready to die, die with you, Lord. Uh, he was basically trusting in his own strength. But a few chapters before this, Jesus actually changed Simon's name to Peter. And he changed his name. He said, you will no longer be called Simon. You will be called Peter, which means rock. The thing about being a rock, the rock is strong, right? A rock is stable. But listen to what he refers to Peter as. He said, Simon, Simon. He called him by his old name. Now, that's significant to me because what that's showing me is Jesus is calling him by his old name, trying to get Peter to realize, hey, right now you're acting the way you used to before I called you. Right now you're trusting in your own strength the way you used to rather than trusting in my strength to what I called you to. And, um, and that's us so many times where we, we, we're doing good in God. We're doing good for a while. We haven't sinned, right? We're, uh, we're reading our Bibles. We're, we're praying. And we, we begin to be impressed with our own strength. And we start to trust in just in our own strength and our own efforts. And, uh, oh, check, another day I didn't do that, right? Or check, another day I didn't go there. And we begin, begin to, we begin to be impressed with that. But be careful with that because when you start trusting in your own strength, look what happened to Peter. He ended up falling. He ended up denying Jesus. He said he went from saying, I would go and die with you to denying him three, three times. So pride is trusting in your own strength. And the, the reason I wanted y'all to hear that word where he said Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, because that word asked, um, there's another translation in the ESV. It says demanded. And so he, the, the word asked, actually, it comes from a Greek word that means that the permission was granted. That Satan came to God and asked permission, and his request was granted. So he demanded it because there was a right. See, that's the thing is that, that the devil had a right in Peter's life. And the thing with pride, it gives the devil access to your life. Are y'all hearing me? Pride, so... That's amazing to me, that scripture, because he, he says he asked or he demanded and his permission was granted. And that's why Peter fell, because he had pride in his life. So that's something that we must watch out for. Uh, part of staying humble. Also, I believe this is why Jesus called him Simon, Simon, because part of staying humble is remembering where you came from. And that's something that I constantly had to be watching myself with um, and not to judge anybody. And that's how, that, that's how the Lord checks my heart. How I'm able to check my heart is, hey, remember where you came from. Remember where I came from. And it, it helps me have the right mindset to where I don't look at people in a judgmental way or um, look down on them for their struggles or anything like that. And that's the same way we should be. We shouldn't look down on anybody who's struggling because remember where you came from. So that's part of staying humble is remembering that. Uh, you will always fail you. Remember that. You will always fail you. But God will never fail you. You will always fail you, but God will never fail you. So stop trusting in your own strength and stop trusting in your own way and start trusting in his. Amen. Amen. Um, I remember a time a few years ago, actually many years ago, almost 10 years ago now, which is crazy, 
um, a few of us here at House of Prayer, we did a church internship. And uh, we were out there over there for a year. And it was a great, great experience. We learned a lot. We were taught the word of God. Um, and we, we were able to minister to many people, many young people in, in high schools and middle schools. And God did an amazing work in our lives at that time. But when we, when the internship was over and we finished, and, we, and a lot of us, uh, whatever came back, a lot of the interns, whatever, went back to their, their houses, they left, everybody was fired up, and um, everybody was ready to win their cities for Jesus, right? <laughs> um, but I noticed a lot of people fell when they came back home or when they went back home. They either fell morally or they backslid and stopped coming to church after a few weeks or after a few months, um, or they backslid in their hearts, uh, and uh, myself included, myself included. And, um, and what, what I realized is all that was was just the result of pride, in our, uh, undealt with pride. Because uh, undealt with pride, always, you'll always end up falling. Always end up falling. And, and instead of, uh, we, we, I had to learn the hard way, instead of trusting in my own strength and my own knowledge and what I learned, I stopped trusting in that and began to trust in God. And it wasn't until I humbled myself and began to trust in God where he truly made me free. And that leads me to my next point is pride is trusting in your own knowledge. Trusting in what you know. That's what pride is. Um, I remember years ago when I was uh, working at a, at a job I used to work at before where I'm at now. There was a guy that was there, one of my coworkers, and he was always trying to debate me. He was always trying to debate me in, uh, in the Bible and, and in theology and, and different things like that in, in creation. And uh, he was always, every single day, he was always ready to, to battle with me. <laughs> and I would always battle back with him too. And I was always talk, to, talk about the Bible and why I believed in creation. And um, he said he, he believed in God and he believed in Jesus. But he was always about, hey, the, the earth is millions of years old, and we would always go back and forth, or is it 6,000 years old, and how old is the earth, what about the dinosaurs, and, and things like that. And I realized, I realized the guy was, I mean, he was just too impressed with his own knowledge. And I remember one person coming up to him and said, how do you know so much? Like, what, what do I got to do to know as much as you? And, he's, and he was tr- giving them advice and saying, hey, I do this, I do that. I, and all he did is probably just read Google articles out there. I and mean, then <laughs> anybody could do that. But uh, I remember one day I finally, uh, instead of arguing with him, I told him, I was like, you know what, man? Like, I, I don't know the answer to that. Like, but what I do know is I know God. And I know what he's done in my life. And I know what he's freed me from. And I know what he saved me from. And that is enough for me to be able to take him at his word. And so, and I left it, I left it at that. And, um, and he, he never really, he never really tried to come back at me with anything else. And, um, (laughs) and that, that's the thing is, um, pride is trusting in your own knowledge. And some people will never come to know God because they're too impressed with what they know. Some people will never be able to come to know God because they're too impressed with what they know. And he's the only thing really worth knowing because through him, you'll know many more things. Um, Another 
uh, another time at work, I remember a time where uh, there, there's a friend of mine, and um, it, was, it was years ago as well, a friend of mine who was a Christian as well, and we were uh, discussing with our other coworkers about the Bible. And I remember mentioning something to them about the Bible, and I remember him mentioning something about the Bible uh, to them, and we were kind of going at it and talking to the coworkers, and I was excited. I was like, man, we're going to win these people for Jesus. And um, we're going back and forth. And, but at the end of our conversation, I actually realized that that guy was actually saw it as a competition with knowledge of the Bible. <laughs> and I was over here trying to win, win the law. I was over here. My mindset was, man, we're, we're going to win, win these people for, for Jesus. And I realized that he was kind of more, it was a competition between me and him. Who, who knew the Bible more? And I realized, uh, I was like, man, I was, uh, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And who knows you. And God knows you. That's what I want y'all guys to know. Y'all have heard that phrase before, right? It's not what you know. It's who you know. And I'm here to tell you that God knows you. And I want to read a scripture in Galatians 4.9. It says, So now that you know God, but listen to this. Now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you. I like the way he put that in there, Paul. Why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the, the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? So that is an amazing scripture to me. And a lot of times it can be overlooked. But he says, so now that you know God, or should I say now that he knows you? Because it's one thing when you know somebody, right? Know about somebody. You know about LeBron James, right? You know about Michael Jordan. You know about all the stars out there. But how many, how many of them know you? None of them, right? That's the amazing thing about God is he knows you. And I'm not sure if any of y'all ever been part of a service at House of Prayer where we'll invite a, a speaker to come and preach and there's their prophet or a man or a woman of God and they begin to prophesy over people's lives. And they begin to speak specific things in your life that only you know. And they begin to call you, they call you out by name. And the reason those times are so touching is because it basically comes down to one thing, is that God knows you. And that he knows your situation. And he knows what you're going through. So, man, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know and that's, that's what we need to, to pursue is knowing God more, being like him. Because it, too much knowledge, too much studying, stu- studying it's going to puff you up with pride. But when you actually get a revelation of who Jesus is, that's what the Bible does. That's what the Bible points to. It points to Jesus. It's not about knowing something so you could debate somebody. It's about knowing more about Jesus. So I'm mentioning this point first is guard your heart against pride, because if you don't get this point, you're not going to get the next two points. This point is really important. And to me, knowing that God knows me is very, very humbling, super humbling. And that leads to to the same point. But how do you overcome pride? The way you overcome pride, the Bible says you humble yourself. It says, humble yourself. It does not say, hey, pray for humility, and then you'll become humble. That's how you get rid of pride. No, it doesn't say that. It says, humble yourself. What does that look like? 
to humble yourself. To me, that looks like seeing other people greater than you are. Seeing other people the way Jesus sees them. And the greatest example of that is looking at the most humble person who's ever walked this, this earth. And that's Jesus. And let's look at his example really quick. In Philippians 2, this is a great passage. I love, I love sharing this scripture. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Listen to this. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So we had to look at other people as greater than us and not in a, a false humility way. Not in a, that's, the false humility is insecurity. Not, not like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh and being like, oh, well, everybody's better than me. Or, man, everybody's going on in life and I'm still stuck here. And not like that, not, not in, a, in a false humility way. No, in a, in a humble, a, a real humble way. And uh, the, way I, the, way I like, the way I look at this, this is what Jesus said. He said, the son of man, which is himself, came to this earth not to be served, but to serve. So when you think about a servant, what do you think about? When I think about a servant, I think about lowest of lows. When I think about a servant, I think of somebody on their knees. I think of, like, if you think about it, like Cinderella. She's out, she was down there cleaning all the time, right, in, in the movie. And, um, and she was like a servant, basically, in the house. And here's the thing I want you all to know, is you cannot fall when you're on your face. If you humble yourself like a servant and you... You're before God on your knees and you, you, you bow in prayer and your, your heart is humbled before God and you, you're, you're, you take the place as a servant. You cannot fall that way. And this is what true humility is. Are you ready? True humility is knowing your place in the kingdom of God as a son or a daughter, but still choosing the place of a servant. True humility is knowing your place as a son, but still choosing to be a servant. That's true humility. Are y'all guys with me? But the devil attacks people with pride so much because he would love for you to be like him. That's why the devil attacks people with pride so much is because that's that's what was in his heart. And he wants you to be like him. So we have to humble ourselves. Amen? So the first thing was guard your heart from pride. Now, the second point I want to give you all is guard your heart from bitterness. Guard your heart from bitterness. And if you were there on Sunday, Mondo touched on this point about refusing to become bitter. But I want, I want to focus in on this, this point of guard your heart from bitterness. What is bitterness? 
Bitterness is blaming others. Bitterness is blame. It's holding other people responsible for where you are or why you are the way you are. That's what bitterness is. And you cannot control what people do to you or say to you, but you can control the way you react. You cannot control that, guys. And, and I'm not talking about, maybe some of you might think, well, that's why I don't have friends, and that's why I don't, I don't open up to people, and that's why I, I tend to stick to myself. No, I'm, that's fear. That's what we talked about last week. Okay, because that's no way to, leave, to live. You don't want to live in fear. of. And, and the thing about fear is you try to control what you can't control. Fear causes you to try to control what you can't control. Yeah. And that's not what we're trying to do. No, you have to learn to trust people. And just like I mentioned the first thing in the first point is you will always fail you. Listen, people will always fail you too. But God will never fail you. And we had to remember that. We had to just accept it. I've accepted the fact that people are going to fail you, but you can't hold things against them for failing you. You had to show them the same grace that God showed you. And you had to begin to see them the way Jesus sees them. It's like Jesus when he was on the cross and they were mocking him, they were spitting, him, spitting on him, they were beating him. And all he said was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. And we must have that same attitude. Part of knowing your identity in Christ is that you can forgive them because you've been forgiven. Yeah. That's knowing your identity in Christ. Uh, Matthew 6.14 says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So, Here's the way to overcome this is to refuse to allow people's negative words and actions identify you. Refuse to let the people around you, their negative opinions, their negative words, their negative actions, refuse to let that identify y'all guys. Because the devil loves to steal your identity through other people's words or other people's labels. And... I told you all that last week is he loves to turn lies into labels. And I want to show you all an example. Here's a second guy I want to give you all. His name is Jacob in the Bible. And in Genesis 27, I want to, I want you, I want to read you all his story. So Jacob, he, y'all, 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 who doesn't know who Jacob is in here? I know probably are not going to raise your hand, y'all's hand, right? But okay. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those are basically the forefathers. That's how the nation of Israel was created through Jacob. Um, but Jacob, um, his name actually means heel or deceiver. And they, his parents named him that deceiver. And that's what he did all his life is deceive people and lie to people and trick people. And I want to pick up on this. He, uh, in verse, uh, chapter 27 of Genesis, verse 35 says, but Isaac, which is his father, said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, Esau is Jacob's brother. No wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First, he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? So he stole his brother's blessing. He tricked him 
And he was a second-born. They were twins, but he was a second-born, so the, he took the firstborn's blessing. Y'all could go back and read the story. I don't have time to read it. But he deceived him, and he stole his blessing for himself. But what J- Jacob didn't realize was he was sowing bad seed for his future. And Jacob ended up getting deceived by his own father-in-law. And, um, and he ended up tricking him into marrying his daughter Leah instead of marrying Rachel first. He got to marry both of them, but... Um, yeah, so it was a like, crazy long story. Lots of, lot, yeah, lots of drama. So, yeah, what goes around comes around. Whatever you sow, you reap. Karma, whatever you want to call it, it's in the Bible. But here's the thing is when people label you and you don't have an identity in Christ, you always end up living up to their labels. If you don't have your identity in Christ, you're always going to live up to the labels that people give you. And that's why it's so important to, to refuse to let their labels identify you or define you. Uh, but check this out. Genesis 32, 22. This is Jacob's story still. We're going to continue. So this is after uh, he, he got dece- after he deceived and after he got deceived. Um, this is way later on. And just like God changed, uh, changed Peter's name from Simon to Peter, he changes Jacob's name as well. Check this out. Genesis 32, 22. It says, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servants' wives and his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. So this is an angel And it says, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said this, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. And listen to this. He says, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. So Jacob means deceiver. Israel means God fights. So he changed his name from being a liar and deceiver and living up to that label all his life. to you know what? It doesn't matter. You don't have to fight the people around you and fight their opinions. I'm going to fight for you. And he, I believe God told him, told him this. He's like, you know what? He's like, you don't have to live by that name anymore. My purpose for you is so great that I'm going to make a nation out of your name. And that's how the nation of Israel was created, is through Jacob. And his name was changed to Israel. Isn't that powerful? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what people call you. All that matters is what God has called you. And that's how you get identity in Christ. With identity in Christ, you no longer have to fight the opinions and lies of people because God has already fought for you and has already won. Remember that. Uh, Genesis 35, check this out. Even a lot of times when people have called us things and they hurt us, a lot of times we could hurt others around us. But check this, Jacob refused to be that way. In, in Genesis 35, verse 16, we're going to continue. And this is, the, this is Jacob's wife, Rachel, and this is when she dies. Okay, so 
This is the Bible says that this is the only wife that he loved. He didn't he didn't love his first wife Leah uh, the way he loved Rachel um, because he he was deceived into marrying her. Remember that. So, but he, Rachel is who he loved, and that's who he wanted to be with. And this is when she's about to die. All right. So in verse sixteen it says, leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on toward Ephrath, but Rachel went into labor while they were still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense. After a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, don't be afraid. You have another son. Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath, she named the baby Ben-Onai, which means son of my sorrow. But listen to this. But the baby's father, however, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way uh, to Ephrath. So here is Rachel, and in her pain, she labels her son, son of my sorrow, and she gives him a bad name. And, but listen, but I like how it says, but the father, however, changed his name. He said, hey, you, Jacob, Jacob knew about that already. He knew all about labels and names and living up to those names, right? And he says, no, you know what? Not for my son. He's like, I'm going to change his name to Benjamin, which is son of my right hand. He's not going to be in sorrow. He's not going to cause sorrow because this is what the devil would love for y'all. He would love for y'all to realize y'all are sons and daughters and y'all are Christians, but he would love for y'all to be sorrowful Christians or depressed Christians or anxious Christians or worried Christians or fearful Christians. He would love for y'all to be that way. And, but no, this is what God's saying. He's saying, no, you're not going to be like that. He's like, you're a son of my right hand, which means you're going to be with me and I'm going to be with you. Amen. So he refused. And that's the thing is Rachel in her pain. She caused was trying to cause pain to someone else. And that's a lot of times what we do. And that phrase that says hurt people hurt people. And we cannot be that way. We cannot allow because because you're you're going to get hurt by somebody. You're going to get hurt by somebody. But it's how are you going to react to that? You had to refuse to be bitter. Amen. So that's the second thing. Now, the third thing, I want to finish off with this point. So guard your heart from pride. Guard your heart from bitterness. Are you ready? Guard your heart from lust. Guard your heart from lust. So I'm going to go back to the, the scripture. I'm, I'm going to go back to... I'm going to go back to Proverbs 4, all right? Y'all go with me if y'all have y'all's phones. Proverbs 4, 23. I want you to check this out. Don't check Instagram, don't check Facebook, don't check check messages. Check your Bible app, all right? So listen to this, guys. Listen to this, guys. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now listen to the rest. I want to focus on the rest of this. So this is how you guard your heart from lust. So it says, avoid, say that with me, avoid all perverse talk. So... The first way to guard your heart from lust is to watch what you say. Watch what comes out of your mouth. Or maybe I'll say it this way. Watch what you text. Maybe that might sink in a little better. That's the, um, that's first Stephen three sixteen right there. Watch what you 
what are you talk? How are you? Are you out there sexting somebody? Are you? What are you doing? Uh, what are you saying? What's coming out of your mouth? What's because whatever's coming out of your mouth is what's in your heart. So you have to check your heart and what's in there. So what is coming out of your mouth? Do you? Do you? All you're doing is cussing or are you saying perverted jokes? Different things like that. You have to. You have to identify those things because that's an that that's lust in your heart and that's an open door to the enemy in your life because he will love more than anything for you to be a Christian in church dealing with immorality dealing with lust and you thinking that that's all there is to life and you thinking that that's what it means to be a Christian to live that way he loves to to attack Christians in this way Let's, let's move on. Avoid all perverse talk. The next thing it says, stay away from corrupt speech. What is this? Watch what you hear. So watch what you say. Watch what you hear. What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Are, are, are you the friends around you? Or are you always listening to their dirty jokes or what they're saying? Another thing is um, music. What kind of music are you listening to? I want to tell you all this. Satan, I told you all earlier, was Lucifer was the worship leader in heaven. So don't you think he knows a thing or two about music? And he knows how to get to young people because of cool music and, and things like that. But and, and don't 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 I want you all to hear me. There's there. I don't there's music that I listen to that's not Christian as well. And I think that's OK. But it, it's what, what are you listening to? Is it just talking about sex? Talking about living this life and money and drugs. And, and uh, if you're going to be all, all you're doing is listening to that, no wonder you're falling sexually. Right. No wonder you can't get over lust because what you're putting in your what you're listening to. So watch what you listen to. Watch who you listen to. Um, the next thing it says, stay away from corrupt speech. Then it says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. The next thing is watch what you see. So watch what you say, watch what you hear, watch what you see. This is one of the biggest things. I'm here to tell you guys, you have to guard your eyes. You have to guard your eyes, your eye gate. And man, one of the biggest things that people are struggling with on this earth, including Christians, is pornography. And the, let me tell you something about pornography. Pornography is a lie. It's a lie. And if you continue down that path of pornography, it will ruin your future marriage. Because you're believing that lie of what you are watching and you expect your marriage to be that way. And when it doesn't live up to it, you're going to be disappointed and it's, it's going to ruin your marriage. And the pornography instills images in your mind that man, you you'll you'll have those images in your mind till you're 90 years old. That's how strong pornography is, and that that's what the enemy is doing in, in pornography and in making people, man, in bondage to that. And so, watch what you see. Another thing is maybe you're it's not pornography you dealt with, but watch watch what you allow your eyes to see by watching watching who you follow on Instagram. Or Facebook, because maybe you might not be going all the way to pornography, 
but maybe you might be following some people on there that, hey, no wonder you're lusting, right? No wonder, I mean, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure every single time you open the app because of who you're following. So watch that. And I'm telling you all this not to, hey, these are the rules or anything like that. No, these are not even rules. It's to protect y'all guys. It's to protect your heart. It's to protect your identity. Because the enemy is out there. The thief is out there trying to steal from you. He's trying to steal everything he can from you. And this is the way he's doing it. Um, Let's continue. It says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Three times it mentions feet. It talks about your path. So the last, the, the, the other, last thing I want to talk about on this point is just watch where you're going. Be intentional with where you go. Don't make plans to, hey, to go meet somebody up when you know you shouldn't be. Watch where you're going. Maybe you shouldn't go to that person's house. Maybe you shouldn't go to that friend's house. Maybe you shouldn't go to that event because you already know what's going to happen. Right. So what you got to be intentional with your path. It says mark out a straight path for your life. Mark out a, a straight path for your feet so you don't even go there. That could even go along with pornography. Hey, maybe don't put a computer in your room. Don't. I mean, hey, put some something, some kind of filters on your phone or some kind of filters on your computer and, and be accountable to somebody. To where, hey, this is, I don't want to do this anymore, and this is where I, it ends up happening. So mark out a straight path for your, for your day, for your feet, so you don't even go there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, now the third person I want to talk to, so I talked about Peter, I talked about Jacob, um, and I want to talk about the third person is Solomon. Now Solomon, um, he was uh, one of the strongest kings to ever walk this earth. Solomon was David's son. David, the one that slayed Goliath, this was his son, Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel. Um, First it was Saul, then it was David, then it was Solomon. And Solomon actually wrote this, what I'm talking to you all about right now, in Proverbs. He wrote the book of Proverbs. But the thing about Solomon was he dealt with lust. And the thing about Solomon is Solomon was I believe, as far as I know, he was the only king that didn't have to go out have to go out to war to battle any of his enemies, because there was the Bible says that there was peace on every side, so he he had it made. He was man. There was peace on every side. He didn't have any enemies. People would come from all over the country just to hear him speak, to hear his wisdom, and man, this guy had it had it made. He was the richest man ever to walk this earth. Steve jo- or not Steve Jobs, what's his name? Um, <laughs> Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, they had nothing on Solomon. All right? Um, but he never had to physically go out to battle, to war anybody. But from, I, what I believe is the real battle was going on in his heart. That's where the real battle was happening. It wasn't happening around him because there was peace. The, word, the, the name Solomon actually means peace. And there was peace on every side. But the real battle was going on in his heart. And I believe that real battle was lust. And the reason I believe that is because Solomon had a thousand wives. (laughs) Why else would you have a thousand wives unless you deal with lust, right? Man, dude, most people can't even deal with one wife. Like, how are, what are you going to do with a thousand of them? 
that means a thousand mother-in-laws, right, too, right? So, so hey, and, but, but mother-in-laws, I mean, there, there are some crazy mother-in-laws out there. My, my mother-in-law and my mom, they're awesome people, but that there's some mother-in-laws I know that are crazy, and I'm pretty sure Solomon had to deal with some of them, right? And, um, but he had a thousand wives. He denied himself nothing. And I, I want to I read y'all something in 1 Kings 11. It says, verse 1, it says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Now that's important right there. It says, Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. But the, listen to this. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. So he said he gave them an instruction not to marry the foreign women because they were going to turn their heart to their gods. And then it says, yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord, his God, as his father David had been. Man, he had everything going for him. He had, didn't have to worry about money, didn't have to worry about war, enemies, and he, he still allowed this to creep in. And in verse 9, if we skip to that, it says, The Lord was very angry with Solomon, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of, his, of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had encountered God himself twice. And God spoke to him and, and confirmed him as king, and he, he gave him wisdom. He was the wisest man to ever walk this earth besides Jesus and it says, he had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Sol Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. How many times are we going to disobey God's voice in our life? To stop letting this area of lust in our lives. And th this is the thing. His father was David, and David was an awesome man of God. He was a great king. But the thing I believe about David, I believe he was a bad father. And the reason I know that is because David had another son who raped his David's daughter, which they're the half brothers and sisters. He raped her, and David never corrected that son. And he never, and the Bible says that he just never talked to him again. And he... he uh, and then another son came into play and he killed that brother. And there's a, it was a big old mess in their family. But I believe it was because I don't think David was a very great father. Yeah. And I believe that him not being a good father to Solomon left a father wound in him, a void to where Solomon had to go look to fill that void in all the wrong places. And I believe he turned to lust. He turned to women to try to fill that void that he had in his life. Are y'all hearing me? Yes. And um, that's the thing with lust. It will always cause you to look for love in the wrong places. Lust will always cause you to look for love in the wrong places. In Ecclesiastes 2.10, this is Solomon's, he wrote this book. And he says, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. 
I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. To me, that sounds like somebody who's empty, who's void, and he was looking everywhere else for that fulfillment. And how many times can that be us in our lives where we're looking everywhere else? We're looking for a relationship. We're looking for a job. We're looking for a career. We're looking for something to fill something that we need. And we fill it. We go out and buy something. And we think that's going to fulfill us. Oh, if I could only get that car, I'll be fulfilled. Or if I could only get that or get this house. Or if I could only get in that, that relationship I've been wanting, I'll be fulfilled. But no, because lust... If it's, it's, whether it's the lust of the flesh or lust of the eyes, it always leaves you feeling empty. And that's the way the devil works. Now, I want, to, I want you all to see this. This is where, did you know Solomon actually had a name change? And a lot of people overlook this. And it's, it's, it just mentions it, it mentions it once. And when I was studying this today, I was like, wow, like that is amazing to me. Because I, I had overlooked it too. And, and um, when I was studying for this message and I, was, uh, I knew I wanted to talk about lust, and I didn't know which person to talk about. God spoke to me about Solomon and told me to go to this passage. And look, check this out. It says, then David, so David was Solomon's father. Then, then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And watch this. And David named him Solomon. The Lord loved this child and sent word through the prophet Nathan that they should name him Jedidiah. Watch this, which means beloved of the Lord or loved by the Lord. So the day he was born, God changed his name because, see, David, his father, named him Solomon, which means peace. But see, David was only thinking about the physical aspect of his life. And he did have peace. He had peace on every side. He had no war. He had no enemies. But God was looking at something deeper than that. And he changed his name to Jedidiah, which means somebody that I love. Someone that the Lord loves. And the reason this is so significant to me is because here's the, the lust is a lie. And the lie of lust always causes you to look for love. But identity in Christ, identity in Christ is knowing that love has already found you. From the day you were born, love has already found you. And if only, I wonder how Solomon's life would have turned out if he knew what God had called him rather than what his father had called him. If he would have lived by the one who the Lord loves rather than Solomon, how much more different would his life have turned out? Yeah. Because that's what lust is. It's looking for love somewhere else when you already have it with God. Yeah. You already have it with Jesus in your life. You don't have to look anywhere else. Yeah. The Lord is enough for you. God is enough for you. His love is enough for you. I wonder if he knew that on the day he was born that God told him, I love him. And some of you, that's what he's telling you tonight. He's telling you, hey, I love him or I love her. And he wants you to know that, that you don't have to go anywhere else to be fulfilled. 
Everything you will ever need for eternity is in him. And here are his concluding thoughts. This is now, I, I don't know how Solomon's life ended. It said in his old age, his heart was turned away from God. But also Ecclesiastes, the book he wrote, was in his old age too. And this is what he says at the end of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 12, verse 13. It says, that's the whole story. Here, now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And those are Solomon's words. And that's how he ends the book of Ecclesiastes. But we have to stop believing the lies of the enemy because he's out to steal your identity. Are you with me? And the only way Satan can steal your identity, this is my closing statement, is if he gets you to believe a lie. That's the only way he could steal your identity. Is if he gets you to bite on the hook of a lie. But I'm telling y'all guys, y'all, y'all's purpose is great. And God loves you. And if you're dealing with any of these three issues, pride or insecurity or anything I talked about last week, lust, I'm here to tell y'all guys that God is more than enough. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have all that I need. I'm just telling y'all guys to believe that, to trust it. Amen? Amen. So let's just bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's just end in prayer. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time together. Thank you so much for your word, God. Your word is so precious to us. God, I pray, Lord God, for the word, word spoken tonight, God, that it would just... God, it would just pierce our hearts tonight, God, that it would just, God, resonate in us. I pray, God, if there's anybody here, God, dealing with any of these issues, God, if they're dealing with pride, God, if they're dealing with bitterness, God, or, or any kind of hurt in their heart, if they're dealing with lust, God, anything, God, I pray that you just speak to them today. God, affirm them today, God, that you love them, that you're all that they need, God. And I pray that as they leave here, that the thief will not steal from them, God, your word. And I pray that the word that was sown today will fall on good ground in our hearts and produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100 times as much as has been planted today, God. And I pray that when we go out here, God, we would see ourselves, God, as sons and daughters and take the place of a servant like you, God, and walk in victory, God, and walk in the purpose, the plan, that you have for us to walk a limitless life, God, for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please subscribe. That way you will always be in the know. Also, if you were impacted by the message today, please consider sharing it by clicking the share episode button or even taking a snapshot and sharing it on your social stories. We'll see you next time on the Limitless Podcast.